Good morning. Wow, was worship incredible? Way to go. Worship team, man, the presence of the Lord is so strong. We serve the same God. If he did it back then, he'll do it again today. Good morning and welcome to church. So glad to be with you guys. We are in week two of our January series, Book of Prayers. And um, around here at Alive, we have two different seasons every year that we commit um, extra intentionality to prayer. In August, we do 21 days of prayer as we lead into the school year. And every January, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so that annual rhythm actually starts tomorrow, 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you guys are joining us in person, you guys probably got this oversized bookmark prayer list challenge. We'll talk about that more later on in the message. Um, <clears throat> And so this, every January, we have a different theme to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This year's theme is the prayer list challenge. We've kind of been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, but we're saying, hey, what would it look like if during this time of prayer and fasting, we made a list? And so this bookmark is for you to make a list of who are the people on your heart that you are just burdened to pray for, um, specifically people in your life that are far from God. And what would it look like if we all dedicated ourselves for the next 21 days, starting tomorrow, to pray for the same people every day that, and believe God for a miracle that he'd work in their life just like he's worked in our lives and in our families' lives? What if we did that? And so we'll talk about that more this morning, but then it's 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so in January, we always challenge um, the community, all of us, to say, what would it look like if we gave up something? Fasting is refraining from something for the purpose of drawing closer to God, focusing on him more, hearing his voice more clearly. What would it look like if we fasted from social media for 21 days, and instead of scrolling in the evenings or when, in the mornings, we spent that time reading our Bible and praying? What, it, what would it look like if we fasted sweets or caffeine or, or junk food and that, you know what, instead of feeding my, the flesh of my appetite, I'm going to silence that craving and strengthen my spirit man and fast and pray whenever I get the urge to eat that kind of food. Or what would it look like maybe to fast lunch? What if you fasted every lunch for the next 21 days and instead of having lunch, you found a quiet place to pray and read the Bible dur during your lunch break or or maybe it's every Tuesday and Thursday you decide you want to fast. Whatever it looks like, there's so many different ways that you can engage. On our website, alivefamily.church slash prayer, we've got more resources. If you've never fasted before, you know, you could do a Daniel fast. You could do a complete fast for a portion of it. But um, we encourage you to check out online to get more resources. But we're so expectant and so excited for this season coming up of prayer and fasting. And so in this book of prayer series, we're talking about how, man, the Bible is a book of prayers. Everything God does on earth, he does through people and through prayer. And so in this season, as we're praying and as we're fasting, you know, fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes us. It quiets the voice of our flesh. It quiets the, you know, especially if you're fasting social media, it, it quiets the voices of the world so that you can hear God more clearly, that you can see what he's doing more clearly. And it, it reminds us that God is our true source. You know, I love Matthew 4, 4, where Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As we fast, we remind ourselves that, you know what, that bag of chips isn't satisfying me as much as some time spent in the word is. Our true source, our true bread that we live off is the Lord in our relationship with him. So today, man, I'm so fired up. I want to build your faith. The day before this official 21 days of prayer and fasting starts, I want to build all of our faith on the fact that prayer actually works. Prayer actually works. Like it actually makes the difference. And I've been so encouraged. I don't know how many of you guys follow the NFL sports world. I did not until we had sons. But now all of a sudden football's on all the time. And um, if you're in the football world, you saw Damar Hamlin's collapse on the football field recently. Um, it was in the middle of the game. He had just tackled someone. He got up on his feet and he collapsed on national TV and it was a heart attack. And um, he was revived on the court or on the field, but then rushed and he was unconscious for a couple of days or whatever the, you know, it wasn't looking good. But you saw across the nation and you saw across the football world, um, players boldly kneeling and praying on the field and people making comments about how they're praying and um, a sports anchor analyst on CNN pausing on live TV and praying. And you see in, in modern culture an awakening to the reality that, man, where do we go when things aren't going well? Prayer, and we actually, we, we do that because we actually believe that prayer is going to make a difference. And he's actually doing better. If you guys have been following the story, he's breathing on his own. He's talking on his own, which is just amazing because prayer actually works. This month, you know, there's lots of different ways that we could pray. This month, we're focusing on praying for those who are far from God. You could call it praying for the lost. You could call it intercessory prayer, interceding. Um, and so we encourage you, you know, make your prayer list of whatever's on your heart, but for sure include some people on that list that don't know God. And we're going to intercede and we're going to pray for people that are far from God, that they would come into a personal relationship with him. Because we believe that prayer actually works. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about my own life and I was thinking about everything good in my life right now, I can trace back to prayer. Whether it's prayers that I've prayed for myself or prayers that other people have prayed for me, everything good in my life is the result of prayer. And there's so many things that we could pray about, but I want to build your faith specifically on praying for the lost. You know, I've got, I think all of us have faith that prayer works. When we pray, God hears us. I feel like I am extra, I'm convinced on that, but I'm like extra, extra, extra convinced that when we pray for those who are far from God, God's sitting on ready for all the prayers that we pray, but especially when we're partnering with him on his mission, right? Luke 9, 10, Jesus, Jesus's mission is made clear. Luke 9, 10 says, for the son of man has come. His whole mission, the whole reason he came was to seek and to save that which was lost. What does it mean to be lost? It means to not have hope. It means to not know Jesus. It means to be separated from God. And Jesus' whole mission 
was to reconcile people back into a relationship with God. And so when we make prayers that agree with his will that the lost would be saved, he wants that prayer answered more than we do. When you think of someone in your life that's far from God and you're like, God, would you please just save this person? He's like, I'm so glad you're praying about this because I actually want it more than you do. I want that person in a relationship with me more than you do. I want that person living the life that I designed for them even more than you do. Because prayer actually works. This whole series we're going to be talking about specifically praying for the lost and we're going to share lots of scriptures, and as we, um, in the next couple Sundays, we'll talk about how does the Bible say we should pray for these kind of people, and, and where does the Bible talk about this, and we're going to go into great different studies about what scripture tells us of how to pray for people who are far from God. But today, as we open up, I just want to share a couple of stories to just stir your faith. I feel like my mission this morning is to stir our faith and expectation that as we spend these next 21 days of prayer and fasting for these list of people, it's actually going to make a difference. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll continue. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that you are a God who hears and answers prayers. God, we thank you that you are a God, Jesus, that you came to seek and save those who are lost. And God, I thank you that even as I'm Introducing this topic, Lord, all of our hearts are stirred with names and faces. We all have people in our life and people in our heart that we long that they would know you. And God, we come into this season with expectations. So Holy Spirit, you take the reins, you take the lead in this conversation. Your words, thank you that our hearts are awakened to what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, Eric and I's whole family and our whole family's faith can be traced back to the prayer of a neighbor. My mom grew up in a broken home. Um, my grandma and grandpa, her parents, divorced back at a time when people weren't doing that. And my grandma, her mom, raised four girls on her own, single mom. And um, it, it was a family that, you know, they didn't know the Lord. They, like, went to church on... Easter and Christmas, because that's like religiously what you're supposed to do, not because they had a relationship with God. Um, but um, they were known, my mom's maiden name is Shepherd. They were known as the, um, oh, what were they known as? The Shepherd Sisters, the Shepherd Girls, the Shepherd Sisters. And they're a rowdy group, and it was a rowdy house, and oftentimes they referred to their house as like a sorority house because there was always some kind of party and stuff going on, and not, not a bunch of whole good stuff going on. Um, and they found out later that there was a neighbor of theirs, a married woman who had five kids of her own, who lived down the road, who had compassion for my mom and her family. And they found out later that during that time that they were neighbors, she would pray daily for them, that they would know God and that God would rescue them and transform their lives. Well, it didn't happen, you know, she prayed those prayers for many years and nothing happened instantly, but when my aunt and my mom's oldest sister went to college, she roomed with a Christian roommate. And the Christian roommate shared her faith in Jesus with my aunt, who happens to be Beth Jones. We read a lot of her basics books around here. And she got saved. She came back home and shared her faith with her sisters and her um, parents. And all six of them got saved radically, gave their life to Jesus. The whole family transformed. 
this family of six, you know, mom and dad not married anymore. Shortly after that, all the sisters got married and started having kids. And that family of six turned into a family of 24. There were 13 cousins. I was one of them. And so now all of us cousins are married and having kids or have had kids. And so now that family of six that that neighbor was praying for has now turned into a family of 63 and counting. Um, and that neighbor was praying for that family of six and really it was, you know, the mom and the sisters, the five, 40 years ago. And now 40 years later, every single member of that side of my family knows and loves the Lord. Um, people married in and kids and all that. And the 63 includes babies, and it even includes babies inside the womb. But of that 63, 14 of those adults are in full-time ministry as pastors or missionaries um, in Michigan, Mexico, and Brazil. Out of that family, um, um, four churches have been birthed. Alive is one of those churches that is birthed out of that family. And it can be traced back to a neighbor who had compassion on a really broken family that was far from the Lord. And it didn't stop there. Like, I, I really could be talking all day. Like, if you wanted to stay until 9 p.m., I could share the story of every person in my family's experience with Jesus. Um, but then it transcended, that's just my mom's side of the family, God's moving in my dad's side of the family, and then Eric's family on both his mom and his dad's side. God has moved in tremendous ways, and it's, it's linked through me, and it's linked back to that neighbor who prayed. Prayer actually makes a difference. Um, and, you know, obviously, there, it wasn't just this one neighbor that prayed for my family, I'm sure, right? I don't know about the great-great-grandparents or the legacy of prayer. I don't know how God moved through all the prayers, but I do know that when my family was in a very broken place and very far from God, there was a neighbor who had compassion. And as she was home with her five kids, she'd pray daily for my family, and it made a difference. Prayer actually makes a difference. Last Sunday night at the New Year party and pray event, it was so special. Did I say last night? Last Sunday. Last Sunday, we were at the new building, and we were all gathered in the sanctuary, and we were praying for, God, what are you going to do in this space? And just saturating this whole next season, consecrating this whole next season to the Lord. And um, the Lord's presence was so strong, and it was such a special moment. And the one thing that I was just so burdened to pray for was the generational impact of what God has us to do as a church family, probably because I'm the recipient of a generational impact move of God. Generational impact, welcoming people home. We've been saying, hey, the whole reason we're going over to this new building isn't to have more space for us and to have more elbow space in the lobby. We're, our whole reason we're going over to a bigger building is to welcome home more people, right? And it's, you know, oftentimes we can focus on the one person, and we have a value around here. We see the one. But when I, but it's more than that. It's the lives that that one life will change and impact and the, the generational ripple effect 
when one person comes in to relationship with Jesus. So Eric and I have been over at the new building a lot lately, and there's a lot happening over there, walls getting painted, and you can't, we didn't show pictures today because the picture doesn't really show, it's not totally done yet. Maybe next week you'll be able to see through pictures what's happening over there, but over there a lot, and um, you know, we've got these plum chairs for the sanctuary, and so I brought one of them over because I'm finalizing the wall colors in the sanctuary, and so I was over there, and I had one of the chairs, and I put it in the middle of the sanctuary really to, like, nail down wall colors. And so I stepped back in the sanctuary, and the sanctuary is empty, and there's this one chair in the middle. And it was a striking image. And it just made me think about the one. It just made me think about the one. And I pray that as a church that we see the one. You know, because pretty soon this whole sanctuary is going to be filled with chairs and people with all different kinds of stories. But I pray that we always see the one and consider the one that's sitting in that chair. And I don't know if, as you see this image, that if maybe that one person could be your neighbor or your parents or your kids or your siblings or your coworker or your best friend, We see the one, one person being changed by Jesus and what God's going to do in their one life, but we know it's not just their one life. It's the ripple generational legacy impact of welcoming home just one person. We're going to welcome home a lot more than one person, but the one, you know, my family of it wasn't my family yet, but before I was born, prayers for one family turned into prayers for 63 people. And, and beyond that, the impact, right, of one life. So I share all this because I really wonder, who's on your heart to pray for this month? Who's on your heart to pray for? You know, you have someone on your heart and on your mind for a reason. There's 8 billion people on the planet right now. 8 billion people. And we all have a handful of people on our heart right now. And that's not by happenstance. You know, none of us can save the whole world. We're like, come on, Jesus, revival, and let's save the lost. And, and Jesus is like, if every believer would just steward the people on their heart, if every believer would just steward the people in their life, because we don't know everybody's names, but man, right now there's people on your heart. There's neighbors, there's coworkers, there's friends. There's family members that are on your heart right now. And what if we really believed that prayer actually worked? And we really dedicated to praying every day for this list of people. I believe it will change eternity. I believe it will really make a difference. And we are not in charge of the timeline. We could pray, and hopefully we keep praying for these people after these 21 days of prayer and fasting. But God can answer a prayer in a day, but sometimes it takes a year, sometimes it takes a decade, sometimes it takes a lifetime. You know, the story of my family is really incredible, but it's 40 years past when she prayed, right? A lot of times we don't see the full-scale impact of prayers that we prayed. You know, I, I didn't put it in my notes, but earlier I had thought about sharing the story, and God just brought it to my, my remembrance. So... Um, when I was in college, I would come home in the summers and I would babysit um, 
this family that I loved dearly. And God really burdened my heart for the girl that I was babysitting for. And she was like preschool age when I was babysitting her. And I would just, every morning I would get there before she woke up, and I was just burdened to pray for her specifically. And so I would pray for her as I was on the couch waiting for her to wake up. And, um, and I just, I prayed for her a lot. And I think I talked to her about God a little bit. Um, but I bought her a Bible. I realized that she didn't have a Bible, and I was burdened to get her a kid's Bible. So I bought her a kid's Bible and maintained relationship with this family. They might actually be watching online right now. They're a part of the church family, her parents. But um, I always hoped that our lives would intersect again, and I always had faith for whatever the Lord was going to do in her life. And, um, and she now loves the Lord with all her heart and is a, in a beautiful relationship with a young man that loves the Lord with all of his heart. And it was really special when we announced publicly that we were launching a live five years ago. Um, and, you know, we launched the website. It was like a skeleton website, but there was a link to pray and there was a link to give because that's what we needed to make it happen. Um, and we got an alert. The first person that gave was her. And it wasn't very much, but, man, it blessed me, the power of prayer, right? Prayer makes a difference. James 5.16 says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. You spending the next 25 or 21 days praying is going to produce tremendous power available. Let's go into this time of prayer and fasting with expectation and in a little bit here, we're going to have a moment of worship and prayer because I want, I know your guys' heart is stirred and you have names on your mind, in your heart and in your mind right now, and I don't want to leave this time without having a moment to pray and ponder and get a couple names down on the list that you guys have on your hand. But I want to share with you guys a couple more scriptures. I remember when I was a sophomore in college, um, me and my good friend, we were sweet mates in college. We had our heart burdened to pray for people in our life that were far from the Lord. And um, so we'd wake up a little early every morning and just spend like five minutes. We'd gather in her room. She had one of those big ottoman chairs. I forget what they're called. They're really good, but big enough to seat two people. We'd sit in there and cuddle up, and we'd pray for this list of friends and family members <clears throat> that we desired that they would know the Lord. And a couple days into it, I remember thinking, I was young in my faith, and I remember thinking, God, I really want these people to know you, but like, how do I know for sure that you're going to answer this prayer? Like, how do I know for sure? Like, is it your will? For everyone to be saved, like how do I, how can I be sure that I have faith and I'm not like wasting my time praying? And I'll never forget when he led me to these scriptures that changed, changed my prayer life and really changed my life. Second Peter 3, 8 through 10 says, But beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But he's long-suffering or very patient with us. Why? Not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Oh, awesome. So it's your will that no perish repentance. And that's why you're being so long-suffering, Lord, is what the scripture's saying. And then it goes on to give context. And it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with 
fervent heat in both the earth and the works, and it will be burned up. There is an end, right? We're not on earth forever. We don't know when the day or the hour will come, and we've talk, we talked about that a lot, right, this fall in the end time series. And so that's the context, and that's the context that God is teaching on this. He's saying, I want everyone saved. That's why the end has not yet come, because I am long-suffering, and I really don't want anyone to perish. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 5 says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires some men. No. No, that's not right. Who desires all men and women to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Settled. God wants all people saved. I'm praying in agreement with his will, right? And he's long patient and long suffering so that that happens. Um, and then Ezekiel 33, 11 says something similar. This is the Old Testament scripture. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, God's saying, I have no pleasure. It doesn't give me any kind of joy in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, house of Israel? So these scriptures clearly show that, yes, Jesus came to save and seek the lost, and yes, it is his will that all be saved. To which then many people are like, then why in the world aren't they, right? Like if it's God's will that everybody be saved, then why isn't he waving his magic wand to make that happen? And the answer is free will. God could have made the world however he wanted. He could have made us robots that were forced to love him. He could have done it that way, but he wants relationship, that we would know him personally and live for him passionately. So he chose to give us freedom, right? He chose to give us the choice to love him. And in giving us the choice to love him, he is also giving us the choice to not love him. Right? And so here we are on earth as Christians, and we're his ambassadors. We're his representatives on earth. And an ambassador um, promotes the will of the kingdom that he or she is a representative of. And so Jesus' will is that all would be saved. He has come to save and seek those which are lost. And so as his ambassadors, we promote and we intercede for his will. Jason, would you come on up here? We'll go into a time of prayer and worship in just a moment. So we're ambassadors and we stand in the gap. Like an American ambassador to Japan is an American that goes to Japan and talks to the Japanese leaders about the priorities of America, right? As Christ's ambassadors, Jesus is our king and we come to the world. And we stand in the gap between the world, people that are far from God, and God. We're going to talk a lot more about praying for the lost and intercessory and all of that. But basically, what is it? It's standing in the gap. It's standing in the gap. Ezekiel 22.30 says this. It's God speaking. And he says, so I sought for a man. I was looking for somebody, God says. I was looking for someone who would make a wall and stand in the gap. I was looking
looking for someone who would make a prayer list challenge bookmark this month and stand in the gap and pray. Stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. God is saying this land is making some choices that's going to cause them some consequences because um, the route to death is sin. listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.